Hi, and welcome to the Ethnos New Brunswick podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today. Ethnos is a new organization looking to join in the holistic, community-transforming work happening in New Brunswick and Highland Park. Part of that includes thinking about the spiritual health and vitality of our community. Each week, our gathering is meant to give our community a safe and helpful place for that. Today's episode, The Challenges We Face, Women, is the third in our series called Stand, with the conversation being led by lead pastor Yukon Chu. We're going to now continue on uh, with our time this morning and get going with our discussion and this series that we're in called Stand, Becoming Men and Women of Destiny. Now, some of you uh, have been with us so far. We've just gone done two weeks of this discussion, and I think both weeks have been really, really encouraging. Last week, or the first week, we started talking about women and God's vision for women. It was Mother's Day, and so we spent some time talking about that. Last week, we switched over to talk about men and God's vision for men. This week, we're switching back to women, and we're going to talk specifically about the challenges women face. And then next week, we're going to switch to men and talk about the challenges men face, okay? So we're going back and forth. But today, we're going to be focusing in on the challenges women face. Now, I'm not going to be doing a lot of the talking because I'm not a woman. Uh, as you can see, we're going to actually have four very amazing, qualified young women come up and share with us about the challenges they face. But I want to just get us ready for why this is so important for us to think about. You know, here at Ethnos, again, we believe that we need to be a part of the well-being of our city and our community. You and I, we, we see it every day, right? When we walk around in our city, when we walk around in our community, there's some good things happening, but there are also some real challenges that our neighbors face, that our businesses face, that you face, that I face. And part of becoming a better community, a better city, and becoming better ourselves is understanding the women around us, the women that we are, and understanding the challenges that our women face and joining them in the struggle to overcome. Now, for those of us who are women here this morning, I hope this will be an encouraging time where the women we have up here and the scriptures we'll look at with Jesus will be helpful for you. I hope you'll find inspiration and strength to be like, you know what, I'm going to become that woman of destiny that I know I'm supposed to be. For those of us men in this room, I hope you and I will be ready and willing to listen to our fellow sisters, to our fellow women. Because here's the deal, if we can't listen well to our women, you know, we're in trouble. We depend on them. The well-being of not just our city, but our own lives depend on the success of the women around us. And so my prayer is that whether we're a man, whether we're a woman here this morning, we'll be able to listen and hear what God has to say for us. I'm going to invite up the women uh, who are part of this panel to come on up. I believe it's Olivia, Elizabeth, Wanda, and Rachel. Can you guys come on up? Can we give them a hand real quick? Yeah. Yeah. And you guys can sit up here if you don't mind. Don't be shy. Grab a seat. Uh, you know many of these women well. Perhaps you don't know them well. 
Uh, you'll find out more about them as they share. But these are some, uh, some amazing women we have here at Ethnos that uh, I, I look up to, I, I, I enjoy working with them, I, I learn a lot from them. And uh, I'm going to give them some time right now just to share a little bit about three basic questions that I've invited them to talk about, okay? Um, the questions are as follows, and uh, as I share these, say these questions, uh, you all can figure out who wants to get started and, you know, just kind of go for it. But the questions I've asked them to share about is, are basically this. What, what are the challenges you face as a woman? And how have you begun to overcome those challenges? Like, how, what have you found that's been helpful? And are there any scriptures from Jesus that have really helped you along the way as well? Okay? And so, please, sisters, who wants to share? Who wants to get us started here? Yeah. Yeah, it should be on. Okay. So we're answering the first question, the challenges women face. So obviously, I'm a young woman, I'm 22, and I know there's gonna be a whole host of challenges that I will continue to face, but some of the ones that I personally face, and then I'll talk maybe about some of the things that happen sort of around me that affect me as a woman. Um, I think something that I struggle with is I'm always moving five steps ahead. I have been the type of person who is really ambitious, and so I started walking at seven months, and um, I've asked, I could ask other moms here, maybe that's not normal, but I, start, I for, skipped the crawling stage, and I was walking at seven months. Uh, at three years old, I told my mom that I loved a boy, and at, that was right after I told her at two that she would stop dressing me. So there were a lot of ways <laughs> that I moved kind of beyond my regular life stage development, and that's been really challenging when it comes to learning that there's a time and place for certain things. There's a time to take risks. There's a time to learn how to rest. There's a time to be still in the present moment that we have. But with someone who, as someone who thinks, kind of has like a sense of forward thinking, it's been challenging to learn when to utilize that well and when it will actually sort of prevent me from just enjoying where I'm at. And then also, uh, that comes along with having high expectations of people and um, being disappointed when, and maybe being disappointed in, in some fair ways and maybe some unfair ways. I'm someone who loves to nurture and give and um, be friends with people and care. And um, when it's not reciprocated, I get really frustrated. And sometimes it is reciprocated, but just not in the ways that I had hoped it would be. And so I find it challenging um, to learn when to extend love and then what those boundaries look like because ultimately we're human and certain people can't fulfill the expectations that I place on them. And then I guess lastly, I'll just say uh, one challenge that I face on the outside is just um, like feeling like I'm on display a lot of times when I'm walking down the streets being catcalled or, you know, um, struggling with, with looks and body image and all those different issues that I think uh, affect all of us. But for some reason, there's something about being a woman that often feels like I'm being picked apart um, in certain places, so. Thanks. Thanks, Liv, yeah. Okay, so for me, I feel like 
especially I think as I started walking with Christ, which hasn't been a long time, it's only been about two years and a half, I was before, before Jesus, um, I was walking, I feel, on the shoulders of a lot of pressures uh, that come with being a woman, but specifically a Latina immigrant. I came here when I was 11. I'm a first-generation college student, and I'm the only sister of four. I mean, I have a five-year-old sister, but I'm the only sister of three that went out to college. And, um, and I had all these expectations of my family, and I think a lot of mentors that wanted me and worked with me to lead me, right, to where the next steps are. But when I encountered Jesus, he was kind of deepening uh, a lot of that, you know, kind of how all of my gifts um, and all the people that I'm able to influence in my life, there was a deeper meaning to all of that. And it was very, very overwhelming for me. So choosing a career, um, choosing how I was to use all of those gifts, um, yeah, um, was very, very difficult for me. It has been a challenge because I had to walk away uh, from a PhD program, um, and now I'm kind of re-entering and asking all those questions. I felt like I was disappointing my family. I felt like I was disappointing my women mentorship mentors that, um, you know, worked with me all those years as I was an undergrad to pave the way for me. And um, But now, you know, I feel like I am learning a lot, and I guess in the second part of the question, I will answer that more, how I faced that. Um, but also... When Jesus calls you, right, it's not just about that. He will also um, teach you a lot of things that you were doing in the world, right, like in the ways um, that you were affected, especially by experiences, right? I think of all, all the years I, I didn't live with my parents and the things that, because they were in the U.S. and they were undocumented. I lived in Honduras with, under the cares of many people. Um, the absence of all, of all of that, the absence that, not having my father for a long time and and what that does and how that impacts you you don't necessarily think about until you've hit a stage where you know you're like wow that this really matters because it affects the way I love people it affects the way I interact with men um, so one of the difficult things for me was walking into that reality and Jesus was like, you have to break up with this person you know he calls you out of relationships and you think in that moment, that you're gonna spend your life in loneliness. You think, you fear isolation, you fear, but in reality, it's something beautiful that he has walked you through. And it's not easy being a young woman, 22, and thinking, oh, I'm supposed to live you know, a single life and not fear, would I marry? And I have all these questions that as women we ask. You know, It's like, does that mean I'm not gonna marry? Does that mean I'm not gonna have children? Does that mean I'm not gonna accomplish all these amazing dreams that I have? And the answer is no. <laughs> you know, he has a beautiful plan for you, but to feel satisfied and content with that reality that now I can experience because of who he is, it's very beautiful, but it's hard, right? Because it's like, yeah, it's very, very difficult. So for me, that has been hard to think, wow, I can walk alone in the sense, not alone, right? But without a man, right? Without being in a romantic relationship and be completely okay. And in fact, use that singleness time to love deeper and to use all of my gifts uh, in ways that I never imagined. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, for me, I would say that it's just expectations. You know, I, I personally have always been the one doing things differently. Even, we could all be walking down the street, walking down a path, and I have to be like, running off to the side and going under this thing and walking around this thing, because I always just want to do things differently. So um, 
I've always had questions of like, is this okay? Is this all right that I'm doing it this way and not, you know, and as a woman, as a woman, people have expectations on you to do things a certain way. And I'm like, no, I, <laughs> I don't want to. And, um, and so that, that's challenging and it, it, it causes me a lot of times to question like, yeah, is this okay? Should I be doing things this way? And I'm often motivated to do things because they have meaning to me or they're important to me. And so that has meant sacrifice um, in certain areas, financially, with relationships, where I live, all of these things. Um, I've, you know, I choose to do things that have meaning to me. And so that always brings up that question of, well, people expect something different of me, um, but I don't want to do it that way. <laughs> and so, you know, to defy that can be risky, um, can make you question yourself. But yeah, that's what I would say, expectations. Okay, I think Yukon chose me to be in the panel because he needed an older woman. So <laughs> here I am, I'm 48 years old. And my that's name is not Elizabeth. Old. You're very young, so come on. Older, older. Older, older, okay. okay. Well, I identify myself um, as a mother and as a wife. And one of my challenges has always been, uh, am I a good mother? Am I a good partner to my husband? Uh, so many times when I see my children struggling with something, I always wonder if it was something that I did when they were little that maybe uh, is manifesting in their personality. Uh, sometimes I struggle with, um, when I see my husband uh, maybe having a hard time, uh, I just want to say the right things to him, to help him. I want to be a loving wife. I want to give him wise counsel when he needs it. But I think many times I come short. So my struggle is as a mother and as a wife, to me, I think is one of the highest callings for a, for a woman. And uh, it's a great responsibility because uh, my husband is a pastor and he has a very, very hard job. And I think that sometimes instead of helping him, I make his life a little harder because I also have my own struggles and I also need him to help me. And when it comes to my children, um, sometimes, you know, uh, I think I drop the ball many, many times. But I hope that, um, that honesty, uh, when I speak to my children, one thing that God has given me the wisdom to do is to be open and honest and to say, I'm sorry. Uh, just don't do like, mother, like your mommy did. <laughs> uh, but just I want you to understand your mother is a sinful person. I do my best. Uh, I love God, but uh, it does not take away the fact that I am a sinful person and I make mistakes. Yeah, thank you for that, Elizabeth. And just to clarify, I, I think Elizabeth is probably the newer person on the panel. She is not my wife, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> um, her husband's over here, young, who's also a pastor. Just in case you're wondering, like, Yukon, like, I thought you were married to somebody else. I am married to somebody else. I'm much older than you. Just want to clarify. Yeah, just want to clarify. Okay. Uh, I, I was thinking about that. That might be, sound weird yeah. for people who don't know us. Okay. Um, so my, the next question, and no, no, we'll keep it over there. We'll keep it over there. Um, and maybe, maybe if I could just get a, a I'd love to hear what you all say, but uh, I just want to be mindful of time. So 
no mini sermons here, okay? Just, just want to just warn you guys. Um, so you, you've mentioned some of these struggles. Um, yeah, what, what has helped you overcome these struggles? I think that for me, uh, my husband has been my best helper. Uh, when I was uh, single, um, for me, it was very important to meet a godly man. And I went to seminary to find one <laughs> where uh, there, there's no better place, women. Uh, so I went, and I, and I think that uh, God was... Uh, abundantly generous and because I had not grown up in a family let's say the perfect family and I think that that uh, there were a lot of there was a lot of hurt and a lot of baggage from the way I grew up so for me it was very important so my husband is someone that I can uh, ask questions and uh, who helps me spiritually not only because he's a pastor, but uh, because he himself uh, tries to live his life um, according to God's will. And I know that uh, whatever he says to me is not from only his thinking, but uh, it is based on scripture. Good stuff. <laughs> um, I think for me, it, it all comes down to identity in Christ. You know, as I begin to understand who I am because of what Jesus has done for me, um, because of the fact that he is ever in the process of transforming me, um, I think because of that, like, I always have to come back to that place of, yes, God has made me to be this, to, you know, to do these things, um, to live this way, but I don't have to worry about, well, does this meet everybody's expectations because I can walk in the truth that he is transforming me. And so who I am comes from who he is. For me, it's been um, relying on this identity in God and Christ and having him be my strength uh, through all of it. Not that, because human beings will let you down, right? But I feel like having a constant relationship with God that helps in obedience to what he's doing in your life and his will, it's, it's very powerful and, and it gives you that strength because alone, I don't think we can do this. Um, but that also brings uh, the other dimension that has helped me, which is community too. Um, having a community like this where I can come to and feel encouraged and find that living hope that is outside of me but is living in all of us where it's like, wow, like all these people truly care about um, the things that, God cares about, and they all feel called in, in all these different ways that they can come here and want to learn more about what he's doing in the world. That, to me, is very encouraging, especially as we're called by him. It's just, it's very easy to feel like, wow, like, you know, feel too small in all of this. So definitely community has been very, very important to me. And prayer, you know, deep prayer, because as a new Christian, too, it was like, what does prayer really mean? And the more I talk to people who are also in the same walk, like, I'm like, oh, wow, like, yeah, this is a weird thing, you know, but acknowledging, especially the more you grow in that relationship with God, acknowledging how real it is and how he's using prayer for us to help him <laughs> in this work that he's doing on earth and not to feel weird, but in fact, encouraged that he wants you to be a part of it all by talking to him constantly. It's, it's definitely beautiful. And then you see the more you walk in trust in that, the more he answers and that encourages you to talk to him more. So those aspects have helped me. 
I would say it helps me regularly to come to the end of myself. Mm. And that means sometimes I physically have to like get down on my knees and, and surrender whatever it is that is consuming me. So for me, it's a very physical thing, whether it's writing, um, whether it's having a conversation out loud with God, I have to sort of like speak certain things into the atmosphere over my life that are, are feeling so heavy. And when I do that, I'm able to kind of zoom out from the emotional sense or the anxiety and the fear and the insecurity. Um, I have to like stay off social media, like stop comparing myself to other people and just get to this authentic sense of who I am and then just kind of ask Jesus, like affirm me in my identity, like apart from what people say about me, who's talking to me, my accomplishments, my successes, all of that, just me, Olivia, in this moment, I'm okay and you are pleased with me. And when I do that, I find repetitively, it helps me get back to that center and helps me to not succumb to all the noise and the challenges and that's awesome, gals. Thank you so much. Um, I have one more question for you, but I'd actually, I actually want you guys to put this on our Facebook page, okay? My last question for them in preparation of today was, what are the scriptures that have really encouraged you as a woman? And instead of like us, them saying it right now and us just drawing down, down notes, I'd like for you to go to our Facebook family room page and just post it. And we all can get to that Facebook page and uh, let's learn, continue to learn uh, from these amazing women there, okay? Hey, can we give them a hand real quick? Thank you, gals, for being a part of this panel. I really appreciate it. Uh, as, as some of you may know, but if you don't, just want to let you know, these are all women leaders here at Ethnos. And so they are not only just women who come here, they are here uh, God has called them here to give to us as a family, and so if you do want to talk some more with them, they're definitely free to talk afterwards. Why don't you all grab a seat, and again, let's give them another hand. Thank you so much. Thank you. So here's the deal. We do, we do have a couple more things to process, but, but I want to hit the pause button, and I want you to turn to your neighbor right now, and just for two minutes, really quickly reflect with your neighbor, you know, what, what hit you? about what they shared? What kind of struck you? Uh, if you're a woman here, you know, what struck you? You know, just hearing from another woman. What struck you as a man if you're sitting at a table with just men? You know, what, what struck you about this? I hope you learned something. I hope this got you thinking about something, right? Two minutes. Turn to your neighbor real quick. Now, I do hope, again, that you found something helpful for yourself, uh, for your own journey, your own spiritual journey, but also for the relationships you have with others, especially the women in your lives. Um, what strikes me about this conversation is that as we think about what God has to say, as we think about what Jesus has to teach and the scriptures he has, it's striking that Jesus actually understood what women were going through as well. Uh, all throughout his life as he was here, and some of you know this story, he was actually constantly with both men and women, but there are some amazing stories about him interacting with women and, and really understanding where women were coming from. And not only did Jesus have that understanding, the scriptures that he taught from 
have that understanding as well. In fact, as I was getting ready just to open up the scripture portion for this conversation, I was thinking through all the different stories where women were the main characters, the main actors in these stories, and just thinking through the challenges that they had to overcome to pursue God's calling, God's destiny for them. And I came across, as I was thinking through the different women, I came across the woman Esther and her story. Uh, Some of you are familiar with her story in Jesus' scriptures. Others of you are not. Let me just read a quick excerpt from the scriptures, the story of Esther. And I want to just reflect really quickly on the challenges Esther went through and how God began to meet her in those challenges, and how God might begin to meet us, whether we're men or women, to be with our sisters in the midst of their challenge. We're going to read really quickly from the middle of the story. After I read this, I'll explain what's going on and, and kind of go through the challenges she was facing. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, again, we'll talk about who these people are real soon, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, nights or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. Esther was a woman who lived in the great Persian empire of the ancient Near East. She was the queen of a king named Xerxes. She was, growing up, an orphan. Her mom and dad died very young. And her older cousin, Mordecai, ended up becoming her father figure. Now, How she got to marry the king was and is quite a story. You may think, oh, wow, it must be nice to be the queen of the great Persian empire. It sounds good until you know who this king was. At the beginning of Esther's story in scriptures, we find out what kind of man she actually got married to because in that first chapter of her story, we read about his first wife the wife that preceded Esther. And we realize that this man was a bad man to be married with. This man decided to have a big party for all his military generals, all his fellow guys. It was a 180-day kind of procession of how great he was. He was kind of narcissistic, 180-day party for yourself. Let's get serious. At the end of those 180 days, he decided to spend one whole week with just the men of his empire the generals, the politicians, and he said, you know what? Open bar for seven days. No, this is in the Bible. This is in the scriptures. It really is. You can look at it at home. Open bar, seven days. And so you can imagine, right, if you've been around all bros, 
out of military, you know, military people, politicians, seven-day open bar. You can imagine how crazy it was by day seven. In fact, on day seven, he's like, you know what? I married a beautiful woman. I'm the king of this empire. Hey, he calls his attendant. Can you tell Queen Vashti to put on her crown and come parade herself at this party? Let's just imagine this, right? You got hundreds of men drunk, seven days drunk, and this guy is about to parade his literally like top model wife. Some Jewish interpreters interpret when he, he said, put on her crown, he meant put on her crown and nothing else and come and walk in front of my men. Queen Vashti, the first wife, says, no, thank you. I'm not doing that. She's a good woman, I think. But right after she says that, the king's like, what? And he talks to his advisors, and they say, you know what? Just get rid of her. And so he does. He literally just gets rid of her. And then the search goes out for wife number two. Literally, this national beauty pageant. Just think of, like, Miss Universe. He literally does a Miss Universe. Figures out who's the prettiest girl of them all. Esther comes on the scene, and Esther becomes the second queen to King Xerxes. Now, again, some of us in this room may think, wow, this is kind of nice, you know. This guy kind of sounds like Donald Trump, doesn't he? I mean, honestly, right? Like, run the Miss Universe thing, pick out a wife. I mean, let's be honest, right? That's how he met Melania, you know. But for the woman in this room, I'm sure you're thinking, like, this guy's a creep. This guy is not the kind of guy you want to get married to. In fact, prior to this moment, we realize that the queen hasn't seen the king for 30 days. And so she's a little afraid to actually go talk to him. Now think about it. You haven't seen the woman you're married to in 30 days? What are you doing? Well, it turns out he has a harem. He's got plenty of women at his disposal. All this to say, this woman is in the midst of some really, really bad relationships. Really bad relationships. With the man he's, she's supposedly married to, she doesn't have any like family anymore. The parents died. She is in the midst of some really bad relationships. And not only that, she's also in the midst of the situation where her people are in trouble, right? You read the story, and what's going on is King Xerxes, not only is this, this kind of like sexual maniac, if you will, but he's also this person who is easily swayed by his cabinet. And one of his cabinet members says, you know what, those Jewish people, we don't really like them. Why don't you single them out and on one of the days of this upcoming year, why don't you take a moment and just say, like, you know what, just kind of side little law here. Let other people kill off these Jewish people, literally. And so guess what? Esther is Jewish, as we find out in this little excerpt. And so not only is she married to this maniac, this maniac is listening to the wrong people. And this maniac is like, you know what? Yeah, let's just kill off all the Jewish people. That sounds like a great idea. They're a problem in our world. 
And so her people are being assaulted. Now just think about that. Some of you women in this room, you feel that way too. Your people have been assaulted. Your family has been assaulted. The people of your skin color, of your ethnic background are being assaulted. And unfortunately, that's happening right now in our country as well. And so just think about this. Talk about the burden Esther must carry. Talk about the complications she must feel, the challenges. And then add in on that. This whole story here, all of a sudden we realize that Mordecai, her father figure, is like, you know what? Guess what? You're the only one who can do something about this. You're in the perfect situation. Think about the pressure Esther must face. And all of a sudden, as she's wrestling with this, as she's thinking through this, we encounter this paragraph, the second paragraph in our excerpt here today, where somehow she exhibits a maturity, a, a depth of, of leadership, a, an amazing just godliness, spirituality, where she's like, you know what? Let's do a couple things. First of all, let's get everyone that we know to pray for me. I'm going to fast. I'm going to seek after God. I'm going to ask others to seek after God with me. And you know what? I'm going to do what God is inviting me to do. In fact, if I perish doing this, so I perish. How does Esther get to that place? And how can we, as a community, help the women in this room and the women in our city exhibit this amazing, powerful leadership, godliness, power as a woman? Well, if we were to read the story and process how this story fits in the scriptures of Jesus, we'd realize that she can't do this alone. She doesn't do this on her own strength. She's only able to do this because there was and is a God who is constantly behind the scenes, giving us everything we need to walk this kind of life. In fact, this God became one of us, and this God became one of us and had to face essentially what Esther faced as well. There was evil about to ruin a whole people. And this God said, you know what, I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm going to intercede for this people. If I perish, I perish doing that. And in fact, this God perished while he did this on a cross. He died for the sake of saving others. And this God is a God who is the same God that empowered Esther to do this. This God is the same God who is here today empowering us to do the same thing, to rise above the chaos, to rise above the hate in our world, to rise above everyone who's trying to push us down and to say, you know what, no. I'm going to seek God 
And whatever he tells me to do, I will do. And if I perish, I perish. But I trust him. I will do what he invites me to do. If you're a woman in this room this morning, I hope you're encouraged this morning by this scripture, by these amazing women that are your sisters up here. I hope you're able to think through the challenges you face right now. And though they may seem insurmountable, maybe you're in a bad relationship, maybe you don't have your parents anymore, maybe you feel the pressure to do something that only you can do, maybe your people are being attacked, I hope you realize that God understands and that there are women who understand. And that you, indeed, by God's power, can get through this. Men, we're going to talk about our challenges next week. But in the meantime, can I just encourage us? Number one, don't be like this King Xerxes dude. Please. We don't need, we don't need none of that. But more seriously, can we learn what it means to be a man and walk with our women? so they can become the leaders that they ought to be, that they rightfully are. God, help us as we do that for each other here, and God, help us as we do that for our city. And as we prepare to pray, I do want to apologize for those of you who may have been offended by my comments about the president. I think it's wrong to... Uh, disparage somebody who's not here to defend himself, and so I apologize for that. Father, thank you for this time. Father, we, we do love the women in our lives. We love them because they have loved us. We love them because they make us better. We love them because they show us what it means to follow you through their challenges, through their ups and downs. God, would you meet us and help us to support and fight with our women as they face the challenges they face? Would you empower them powerfully with all the arsenal, all the strength that you have? And would you help us to understand how we can join you in doing that? God, continue to guide us as we go. We thank you for this time. Before I say amen, I also want to just acknowledge uh, some of you are aware that there was a fire in New Brunswick last night. Uh, two people passed away in that fire just off Joyce Kilmer, right next two blocks away from the firehouse. And so I do want to take a moment to say a prayer for those who passed and the, their families. Father, we thank you that you've put us in this city, that you've placed us to be your hands and feet in this city. And God, we give you these individuals and their families that perished in last night's fire. We ask in your name, please, Lord, 
help these families. Please, Lord, give them strength in this difficult time. And please, Lord, give us to know how we can walk with these families in the days and weeks to come. Thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for today's conversation. For more information about Ethnos New Brunswick, visit us at ethnosnb.com.